Welcome, sports fans, to the Shoot Your Thought podcast with your hosts, Josh Sanger and Neil Rampersod. Hello and welcome, Neil. We are 40 years old, 40 episodes old, so kind of 40 years old. 40 years old. Wow, did you get me anything? I got, I got. I showed up today. You I mean, showed up today. The present is me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll take it. Uh, welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. We got a good one for you. We're going to talk, unfortunately, about the Toronto Maple Leafs. We're going to talk Masai Ujiri and some news that came just came out about his extension. Uh, we're going to talk the 76ers and what's going on in the NBA. And then, of course, some uh, more COVID news from the NFL. We're going to give you some more FPOW. Uh, should we get into our once-loved Toronto Maple Leafs? The beloved Toronto Maple Leafs, absolutely. Um, I don't... Fuck. Like, we, we've had dedicated episodes ranting about this team. We've had explicit, like, discussions about the Toronto We've Maple literally Leafs. had to give um, parental advisory disclaimers on on episodes talking about the Leafs. It's gotten to the point now where Leaf tickets in the city of Toronto cost less than Raptors tickets for a fan to go see their favorite team play at Scotiabank Center here in Toronto. Scotiabank Arena. Scotiabank Arena. You keep doing this. <laughs> it's not the Rogers Center. It's not the ACC. Air Canada, Scotiabank Air Canada, Center. Scotiabank Center, yep. It's it's gone to a point now where nothing that they're doing is surprising this fan base because this fan base for almost a decade now, maybe two decades, if you've watched their performances in the early 2000s, this team has set this fan base up for failure and, and disappointment. And, you know, it's gone to a point now where right now it doesn't matter if the least regress to the mean, it doesn't matter if they have some positive regression, it doesn't matter because the amount of expectations has led to this failure right now for this fan base. So they started out two, four and one. Do you think that they're going to continue this way? I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I have much left to say about it. It's like a continuous failure. It's like a, it's like a, every game it's just, Oh, they they lost. What was it? Seven two the other night. Seven one to a Pittsburgh team that had no Crosby, no Crosby, no Malkin. Yep, no Chris Letang. No Letang. Like that, they had no one. They had Rust was out. Uh, Gensel was playing, but like it was it was like playing against a minor league team because all of their minor league players were up playing yeah. for their stars, and they still lost seven one. How do you lose seven one to a team like that? There's just no belief. There's literally like there's no leadership. There's no coaching. There's no they have no backbone. They have no sense of, you know, like taking advantage of situations when you're against a weaker opponent. They're also always going to be considered the weaker opponent because of performances like this. Yeah. Teams because they lost into... against an 8 seed Montreal Canadiens team when they were heavy favorites. Yeah. Teams are going into Toronto now, um, thinking that oh let's let's take care of this team while they're down. Like the Leafs are down, let's make sure they don't have a chance to come back. It's like the players don't want to be there. 
you know, they, there's no energy. I've never, there was a, there was a clip that I watched online the other day where Mitch Marner was in the offensive zone and how easily he got pushed off the puck. I've never seen like a player be pushed off the puck so easily. He went flying after a forearm check like this when he was on the puck. Yeah. He went flying. I mean, I've talked about in previous podcast episodes about Chris Boucher having to put on some weight. <laughs> Is Are you going to talk Mitch Marner now? The newest member of the Put On Weight Club. <laughs> oh, eat some man. donuts. Eat some... <laughs> He's only eating twice a, twice a day. Like Mitch Marner needs to put on some weight. He needs to hit the gym five times a day, not a week, a day. Because no, <laughs> no one needs to for this episode. <laughs> oh man, no one should be pushed off the puck that easily. No, you know, and and go flying. It's like a strong wind came and blew him off the puck. Marner's never been a tough guy, though. There's no like. You know, the Leafs used to have, and I'm not saying they yeah. should go back to having, you know, the, t- the tough guy line on the ice, but they, they need to have tough guy players. Like, they need to have players, not even just tough guy. I, I don't even like that term. Just players that stick up for their other teammates. You know, with the, the way the Leafs, where they failed is when Kyle Dubas decided to go out and acquire and draft and, you know, set up this team with a bunch of skill players who aren't physical and then realize, Oh my God, we're getting fucking destroyed in the physical department. Let's go out and try and get tough guys and try and even it out. Then you got a bunch of tough guys playing with a bunch of skilled guys. And there's just no chemistry overall. You go out and you get a guy, a big guy like Zach Bogosian. You go out and you get a guy like Wayne Simmons. You go to get a guy like Jason Spezza. Like these are old tough guys who played in the era of physicality in the NHL, that era is returning and these guys can't keep up. You now need to, you know, like because you're so you're you're basically strangleholded with three of the highest three of the seven highest paid players in the league on this one team that can't be physical. What are you gonna do? I mean the these players are now they're they're yeah, like you said, we're stuck with these players. They're all all on contracts, yeah. and they're all very hefty contracts that we're not going to be able to unload anywhere else. Like no one's going to take on Mitch Marner's contract. No one's going to take on. I mean, like Austin Matthews and Tavares. Yes, they're they're a different breed of players, but Mitch Marner right now is like not playing like the player who bullied this franchise into giving him the amount of money we gave him. I, yeah, I mean, with Mitch Marner, it's going to be tough to trade. He does still have trade value. The Leafs still covet him and don't want to trade him. I mean, I traded for him in our fantasy league. Yeah. That, <laughs> that you know, speaking of that, that trio, that trio has combined for just two goals and three assists. Five points combined. For three of the seven highest. In seven games. Five highest points. Playing, highest paying, highest paid players in the league meanwhile you got grinders like jason spezza who's still trying to earn playing time since he's on a league minimum contract too. since the mike babcock days he's and on a league minimum contract he is giving more energy and giving way more effort shift in and shift out than we will ever see for mitch marner mitch marner can't back check mitch marner is getting paid 15 times mitch, more mitch marner can't jason do spezza anything is. except pass pucks 
for Austin Matthews to score goals. Which he's not even doing right now. I don't know. Well, he's he's back. He had a goal on Saturday. Did you see that game on Saturday? I no, I not on Saturday. On uh, on Monday. No, because there was a Raptors game on, and why would I watch the Leafs when there's a Raptors game on? At this point, touche. That's if they're on at the same time. You we know which one I'm watching. It's the Raptors. Do you think that there is any? sort of hope for this team in even making the playoffs this year do you think there's some positive regression coming if you look at this roster you look at like them on paper you you, you it's impossible to say that there's no hope it's it's impossible mm-hmm. however the way this team is playing right now the lack of chemistry what happened in the playoffs last year it is very possible that they don't make the playoffs it's very possible and what happens if they don't make the playoffs we go into a rebuild that's it I think I think this is the make it or break it year. I think one could argue that it was last year. But then they didn't make the playoffs, and you know you can you can blame COVID, you can blame whatever the hell you want to blame. The lack of fans playing in front of, um, so that you could argue last year was a write off. So them losing in that playoff series was a write off. Whatever, sure. But now we have a full capacity fan base back at the arena. Mm-hmm. We're allowed to play other teams, not just Canadian teams. I would argue that this is the make it or break it year. And it's they're not coming out and showing it like it's a make it or break it year. Whether or not they know that this is a make it or break it year, I don't know. But you look at this team on paper, they should be contenders for the Stanley Cup, and they're not. And if they don't make the playoffs this year, I think you blow up the team. I don't... I think... You're absolutely right in that sense. You know, like, what about this team makes you think things are going to be better? You know, what's going to be different? What, a, you know, not from the first seven games, but from the from the seven games before that, going back to last year's playoff series, you know, or the five against Columbus, or the 14 against Boston. Um, I don't think the, the Leafs have what it takes to even beat Chicago tonight. You know, and then follow it up with another one against Detroit. I don't think they have what it takes. You know, like if they win, great. But are you going to be excited and thinking that these are the same Leafs that are going to be Stanley Cup contenders? I think they just need to build momentum. I, I, it's still pretty early in the season, and I'm not. I feel I'm right back where I was making excuses for the Leafs, but it is still early in the season. There's still a lot of games to be played. It's a full season where it's a full 82 game season. Um, this team is a very, very skilled team. We do have depth. We just need to start playing with more physicality, like you said. And fucking just stick up for your players. If your player is being attacked in the corner by three different players, I don't want to see everyone else just casually skating up to that scrum and, you know, putting their glove on a jersey and trying to pull someone off. No, I want you to jump in there. And save your players. Have you ever seen uh, that show on Apple TV called Ted Lasso? Of course I have. So you I've could, not be, seen every single you could be the Nate who works in the uh, in the dressing room, mm-hmm. who comes in and gives these inspirational chats to the players and says, hey, I don't want to see you guys letting a guy get, you know, gang banged in the corner. I want you to be nice sticking up. <laughs> You need uh, to be giving these inspirational speeches I to the team. To. You know, Sheldon Keefe can't do it himself. All Sheldon Keefe can say is, 
hey, I think we have a better team here than we've been performing. You're going to come in and say, cut the fucking shit, guys. We're better than we say we are. We're Look better the than they think we are. Look to the person to your left. Look to the person to your right. This is your family. These are your brothers. If you see someone getting picked on, what do you do for your brother? You step the fuck up and fight the person. Like, I don't know. John Tavares, if you're listening, which I know you should be. Oh, he, he definitely is. He tunes in every single week. He's tuning 100%. in. We need you to recite exactly what Josh just said. <laughs> Look to the person on your left. Look to the person on your right. And maybe even say it in a, in a Scottish accent, too. These, pers- these people are your brothers. Okay, you've taken it too far. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like that was, the, that was the line there, and I just crossed it. So you said you're rather, you'd rather be watching the Raptors instead of the Leafs at this point. Speaking of the Raptors, how have they looked, in your opinion, through the first few games? Um, shaky, but I'm okay with it. Because this team is going to be... It's going to take them a little bit to find their legs. It's almost a completely different team than last year. Um, it's going to take them some time to find their legs. Scotty Barnes coming into the league looks great. I am not worried about that situation at all. Pascal Siakam is still injured and is going to be coming back in a little bit. Mm-hmm. He's now in full contact practices, which is good. Um, so he's going to be coming back sooner than expected, which is going to be good. Um, but yeah, no, I I still feel good about this team. I went to the season opener, um, which was fucking phenomenal, by the way. Um, went there, had really great seats. And they lost that game. They lost by quite a bit, but the team still looked good. Yeah. I think the Raptors are very young, you know, and, and it, it's evident that, you know, they're missing the leadership that departed this team last year by Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry was the bona fide captain of this team, the heart and soul, the, the person that when times got tough, it went to him. You know, that it was... DeMar DeRozan before that, it was the vets before, you know, like time and time again, it's the vets who pick up the young bucks, right? The, the, mm-hmm. the, that shoulder a lot of the, you know, um, the down points of games that rookies might have. You know, Scotty Barnes, he's going to have some great games. He's also going to have some not so great games. It's a learning curve that 100%. rookies have making the transition from college to the NBA, it's the rigors of the NBA that they're going to go through. Who is that individual on the Raptors this year? The the veteran? Who's the veteran presence that's going to be able to pick these players up? Because I'm not seeing it Fred Van Vliet. from anyone just, not, just yet. Fred Van Vliet is a player coach. He's still very young. He's only been in the league for how long? What? Five, six years maybe? Yeah. But he's, yeah, he's still very young. Um, but he was the one at the season opener that took the mic and you know, address the crowd before the game. He's the one going forward that's the leader on this team. He's the point guard. He has to yeah. be. He's been, he's been training almost under Lowry for the past five, six years. Great thing is, you know, the expectations are quite low for this team being so young. Um, this is great. A great chemistry bridge year um, with Pascal still coming back from injury. With potential trades happening at the deadline, you know, I'm, you can better be damn sure that you're going to see some trades happen before uh, the end of this year. You're not going to see a lot of uh, familiar faces on this team that you see right now. I can probably guarantee you that you're going to see some trades. Boucher is probably going to be moved. Do you think Boucher? No, I don't think Boucher is going anywhere. 
you you I don't as know. much as you would like that to happen. He's having a tough start to the year. I I think with he's the got emergence, a finger. I think with the emergence of Achuiwa, I think you know Boucher becomes expendable because of that physical presence and the <laughs> fact that Achuiwa can still shoot. Mister Precious is playing very well, actually. Uh, you you still have Ken Birch in the front court. Mm-hmm. OG is now starting to play a lot of power forward. You know he's he's a big physical presence, and then. You have Scotty Barnes who can play both spots. Mm-hmm. You have a guy coming back by the name of Pascal who can, play, who can play power forward power center. Forward, yeah. You know, so again, like you can probably, you can see some guys being moved at the deadline. The guard positions, we already talked before the season started that we didn't want a certain individual on the team. He's going to be moved. Well, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna take advantage of him while they have him, though. Like, yeah. obviously, we got him in the sign and trade for Lowry. Yes, we're talking about Goran Dragic, um, and no, they're they're going to take advantage of his veteran presence, and then come deadline or before deadline, see you later, hundred um, percent. But Masai knows what he's doing by assembling this team. Oh, um, I like your transitions. Getting <laughs> getting these young players in here, keeping you know keeping the team together. Um, Speaking of Masai. I was just like, <laughs> look at these segues here. <laughs> Segway King. A lot of Rampersal. news came out. A lot of news came out this week about Masai Ujiri in the sense that there was a lot of uh you know controversy around his new deal, which he signed over this offseason, late into the offseason. Um, whereas ex Rogers chair, Ed Rogers, Rogers, who owns about a thirty seven percent share ownership of the Toronto Raptors apparently opposed and a fucking idiot a new deal with Masai Ujiri any person that opposes a new deal or a deal any person that opposes having Masai Ujiri as part of your team should probably not have any say in anything that goes on within your organization any team would be lucky to, would be blessed to have Masai Ujiri uh, yeah, I mean, negotiations started in mid July. We we hadn't heard anything for a long a long long time. We were just wondering, maybe Masai didn't want to stay here. Maybe he had other plans. You know, maybe we were just trying to figure out why this man had not been signed after bringing a championship to the city, after turning this franchise around. It now has come out why it took it took so it long. Took so long, and now the fact that there was some back and forth, uh, where Larry Tannenbaum had to kind of use his his ownership of the Raptors, his stake, and and basically say, "Hey, no, I'm overriding Ed Rogers's vote, and we're re-signing this man," you know, and ultimately after that. Masai Ujiri needed to be convinced to remain on board by Tannenbaum and other high-ranking executives of, of MLSE. And he even considered taking a year off from the Raptors before re-signing. Masai did? Yeah. Because of what had happened, what had transpired. Because of this, yeah. Um, this has made me gain a lot of respect for Larry Tannenbaum. Mm-hmm. Um at, you know, because before this, he was always just the guy that would step in and grab the championship before the players did. And I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Um, but no, he's and he's well liked throughout MLSE. Larry Tan- Tannenbaum, of course, the chairman of uh, MLSE. He we're, we're talking about the fact that he over 
overruled Ed Rogers and wanted to sign Masai. Larry Tannenbaum and Masai have such a great working relationship that, of course, Larry Tannenbaum was going to want Masai to come back. And, of course, he was going to stop at nothing for Masai to come back. And I'm glad that he did because this team is... I would argue this team is still contenders because they kept Masai Ujiri. Would you agree? 100%. Like, you, you can't... I don't understand how it got to this point. You know, after receiving... All of the, I don't know. I'm I'm just at a loss for words because Masai Ujiri went out, made some bold moves, acquired a guy like Ka- Kawhi Leonard, brought a championship to the city, has led this team to seven straight playoff appearances, seven in a row. Besides last year. Besides last year. Mm-hmm. But that's not good enough for someone who owns a third of the business, just over a third. Well, that's, I mean, what else do you want? That's what I like. After after year, years, years, and years of not being relevant, not winning, to turn it around when Masai came in. I mean, what else do you want? Yeah, you can say he's a little arrogant. I would be too. Masai. That's what arrogant? that's what Ed Rogers said. Is that literally what he said? That he Masai? said he was very he was arrogant. Oh my god. Yeah. Masai Ujiri is one of the most humble, respectable. Just dropped my phone on the floor. <laughs> One of the most humble, respectful people I think I've ever seen in sports management. That's insane. Every time you see Masai in a press conference, remember he did that video conference at the beginning of the year? And he was actually like excited to do it. He was like, all right, guys, let's go. What do you got for me? Let's go. Like, And every time someone came on, like introduced themselves, he's like, hey, Cheryl, good to see you. Like, it's been a while. What do you got for me? How are the kids? Like, this guy is the... He's the pinnacle of, you know, nice Toronto. He's embraced... I know he's not from Toronto, but he's embraced the Toronto culture. Uh, You know, like, he's the poster boy for being a nice person. Yeah. Simple as that. And for for someone to say he's arrogant... Ed Rogers seems to think so. Ed Rogers said you're pretty full of yourself. Who the fuck is Ed Rogers? <laughs> Who the fuck are you? You own Rogers? That's so great. Why don't you start lowering my fucking internet bill? Why am I paying for as much as I am for my internet when it cuts out half the time? Anyways, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> but I have some words for Ed Rogers. Yeah, I, I'm just later. glad that he's no longer with the company. Um, Masai is firmly in the seat he needs to be in with control what he needs Um, and we believe in Masai you know we said Masai no more like Mistay please we need you Mistay please I'm pretty sure I tweeted that no that was the name of our episode seven oh (laughs) Masai please yes I agree I was wondering (laughs) Where that classic comedic line came from, it was us. Pretty sure I tweeted that. Pretty sure I tweeted that. I just, I remember that. I was like, okay, something. All right, sticking with basketball here, we just want to talk a little bit more about Ben Simmons because why not? Before we move on, while we're, sorry, while we're still on the the topic of Raptors, I just want to, I just want to say something real quick. Obviously, the NBA top 75 players came out. Yeah. Is there anyone that's not on that list that you're like, are you fucking kidding me? 
How did you not make that list? It's not Clay Thompson. I'll tell you that. Okay, no, I'm not. I'm not gonna even go there. It's who changed the game in Toronto? Who put Toronto on the map? Who literally has documentaries about him? Charles Oakley. Oh my God! I'm, I'm, <laughs> maybe we should move on. I'm talking about Vince Carter. Yeah, Vince Carter not being on the top 75 in NBA's all-time list. Are you kidding me? This guy literally changed the game. Mm-hmm. Who dunked before Vince Carter came into the league? Who put emphasis and put passion and put aggression into their into their play before Vince Carter came into the league? You honestly, he, if you for, don't think for an entire nation, yeah, you know, like not only Toronto, an entire nation. You put still on the see map. Vince Carter jerseys everywhere. Why, I have a Vince Carter. Why jersey. do you think? Not only that. Sorry to interrupt. Not only that. Why do you think there are so many great Canadian basketball players coming out of Canada right now? Because they fucking grew up watching Vince Carter. I grew up watching Vince Carter. Yeah. I still can't dunk or shoot a three-pointer, but I grew up watching him nonetheless. Jamal Murray, Shea Gilgis. There's so many great players in the NBA out of Canada right now. Andrew Mm -hmm. Wiggins starting it out. You know, we've had two number one draft picks overall. Yeah. In the NBA. And there's more coming in the pipeline right now. Team Canada is going to be Insane. really fun. Yeah. As long as we can get them to play for Team Canada, but they're going to be really fun. That's the thing. Yeah. To get them to play in the offseason. But yeah, anyways, sorry. I just wanted to say that. Um, NBA, get your shit together. Vince Carter should be in the top 75. There's a lot of players that were left off this that should. That were kind of like on the bubble. That made no sense why they would be left off. You know, Vince Carter comes to mind right away. Chris Bosh as well. Dwight Howard. Um, Kyrie Irving. Tracy McGrady. Pau Gasol. Tony Parker. Like, these are all players that you can consider in the top 75 all time. 100%. But, I, I don't know. Clay Thompson has, has gone on record saying how pissed, he, pissed off he is. And then he tweeted the next morning saying... Just woke up still reeling from not being a part still of it. Still really pissed off. Yeah. Okay. But now they're trolling him on, in Golden State, which is pretty funny. They gave him the 77 jersey, saying you're the top 77 in the NBA. Uh, but yeah, let's talk uh, Let's talk 76ers. Let's talk um, Ben Simmons and what the heck is going on there. Obviously, we, we've talked about this um, ad nauseum now. Um about the fact that you know he he doesn't want to play now we're, it's it's coming out that he's not he doesn't feel like he's mentally ready to play. Joel Embiid uh, took to the court before their first home game um, to talk to the crowd, saying you know how much they how much he appreciates how much the team appreciates that their their respect and their continued support. And then at the very end, right before he put the mic down, he's like, oh, and by the way, let's continue our love for brother Ben Simmons. And then he put the mic down and walked away. So the audience didn't have time to react. Um, but yeah, I don't know. So for Joel Embiid to go out and say that after saying publicly in a press conference, at this point, I don't care about that, man. Like, where do you think Joel Embiid stands on on all this? Do you think he was told to say that in front of the crowd? Do you I think? don't know. I, I think there I think this goes deeper than you know Joel Embiid. I think, you know, management has a lot to do with this as well. I don't think it's a very healthy environment there in, in Philadelphia right now. You know, like especially in the media, this has been going on for years with the media saying 
that Joel Embiid and uh, Ben Simmons are not compatible, that do not play well together, which, of course, the players will hear that. Mm-hmm. This team has done nothing to kind of combat that thought that they can't play well together. You know, bringing in a guy like Doc Rivers, who I don't think is a great coach. No, he's just a vocal coach. Yeah, he also cares a lot about his his, his game and his persona, you know, which is why it didn't work out in L.A. with all of those stars. Mm-hmm. He can't coach stars. You know, he deserves to be a coach in college or something like that. He can't coach in the NBA because it's all about him. Anyways, that's a different topic for a different day. I truly think that the NBA has a problem right now with these high contract max players and signing these deals. Because the moment that these players decide, I don't want to play for you anymore, what the fuck is a team supposed to do? Yeah. The team is now at the mercy of that player and they have to kind of work around that player because they've committed so much money to that player. You know, we started out seeing this happen. We just talked about Vince Carter in Toronto with Vince Carter. Mm -hmm. When Vince Carter decided he didn't want to play for Toronto anymore, he faked injuries. He said he wasn't going to dunk anymore. He said he wasn't going to dunk anymore. That has been happening for years. Not to that magnitude, but... We saw it last year with James Harden. Yeah, there's always each each year. I feel like there's a different player that that holds out and, and does says he doesn't want to play for that team. I mean, you could argue it's Kyrie Irving every single year, but it's a fucking soap opera every year. Like it with James Harden just going out, you know, gaining all that weight, hanging out in strip clubs every night, <laughs> eating chicken wings everywhere he went. You know, James Harden is still one of the top players in in the league, he just basically gave the Houston Rockets the middle finger and said, trade me, or this is what you're going to have to deal with. Yeah. What Ben Simmons is doing this year, I think is a little smarter because he's now playing the role saying he's not mentally fit to, to be ready to play. And that's the point where the teams can't, can't do anything no they can't fine you for missing games or missing practices if it has anything related to mental health Mm. i don't know for sure i'm not calling this a gimmick by ben simmons it's a very sticky situation but it's it's incredibly ironic that (laughs) you know he is now coming after being fined 1.4 million for missing four preseason games and practices he is now come out and told the team and told press that, you know, he's not mentally ready to play, which, you know, kind of ties the hands of the Philadelphia 76ers where the Sixers have come out and said they're no longer going to be finding him for missing games. So, I don't know. There is there is definitely room for speculation. I'm not saying that Ben Simmons is playing that card just to play that card. I'm not... I'm just saying that um, it is definitely maybe he's playing that card until he gets traded until it gets traded. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I will agree that it does take a mental toll on, on, on someone when they're, when they're in a place where they don't want to be. And that goes for anything, not just basketball, not just sports. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we saw that with Kyrie Irving. We saw that, um, you know, and, and looking at what happened after the playoffs last year with Ben Simmons and, you know, all the fans burning his jersey, you think Ben Simmons didn't see that? 
You think ben, that's not going to take a toll on Ben Simmons? You don't think that's not going to take a toll on his mental health? So, like, yes, he very, very well could be not mentally ready to return to an arena that's going to shower him with booze. The, the, you know, the, the chant, not the actual alcohol booze. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, he might just not be ready for that aspect of it. So it'll be interesting know. to see how this plays out. But uh, I just thought that was super interesting. We're going to see this happen many times, right? It's happened year after year. If it's not Kyrie, James Harden, Vince Carter, Ben Simmons, you're going to see more and more of these max contracts. The player, the team's being at the mercy of the player, and it, I hate to see it. That's the state of the NBA. That's where we're at right now. It literally, is any player that's you know good enough or or great enough to have a max contract or something along the lines of a max contract, they hold the power in the state of the NBA right now, which is it's a shame. But uh, should we move on? Let's talk NFL. Let's talk some NFL. Um, COVID is still a real thing, guys. COVID is is happening it's in the world it's uh it's happening in hockey it's happening in basketball mm-hmm. we're now seeing it happen in the nfl yet again um this week team being hit by it the hardest the green bay packers and they're playing thursday night prime time thursday night football and they are the team that is yeah is getting hit the hardest it came out that Devonte adams the wide receiver two on the season i think one of the best if not the best wide receiver in the game is out with COVID protocol. Um, he will not play this Thursday. They still haven't announced it, but um, sources say that he will not play. Now, you know, you're, you're on your waiver wire. You're, you're going to look for the next back, best option in Green Bay because, you know, Aaron Rodgers is still one of the best quarterbacks in the league, if not the best, coming off a former MVP season. Mm-hmm. You're looking for the second option in Green Bay, which is Alan Lazard, who is now on the COVID protocol as of last night. So who's the third option in Green Bay? It's Randall Cobb. Um, <laughs> I don't think it'll be Randall Cobb, though. I think it'll be let's force feed Aaron Jones as much as we fucking can. Well, good thing I have both of those players. I picked up Randall Cobb last night, um, which I will talk about a little bit. I don't think I Randall Cobb can keep up with what is needed of a number one Who wide receiver. Who else are you going to throw it to? It, well, I mean, they and have Equinamius St. Brown on the team. Well, they also have MVS, Marquez valdez Scantling. I think he's still injured, though. He's still they very... said he's coming back this Thursday. Oh, there you go. I still so, think you're going to see a heavy dose of Robert Tunyon and Aaron Jones this year, this this Thursday. Yeah, we, we're not we're not into the FPOW section yet. But they're going to have to throw the ball an awful lot because they're against Arizona. 100%. It's going to so, be a bit of a shootout. I think so. With the amount of points that Arizona's putting up, you're not going to have a lot of running in that game. I mean, if they were against any other team, they'd be running the ball relentlessly without mm-hmm. those two top wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Not this game. You're going to have to be throwing it out wide every single time. Aaron Rodgers, good luck. <laughs> it's going to be a fun game to watch. Let's yeah. just say that. It's going to be a fun game to watch. Uh, should we jump into some FPL? Yeah, I mean, we talk about it each week. Hopefully you're winning... A lot more games than Josh and I are currently. And I mean, hey, I won last week. Yeah, you are winning some games. But <laughs> I've had a lot of tough injuries this year, and Josh is absolutely loving it. But <laughs> yeah, I sit one in six on the air now. One in six in in our league, year. 
And you've got a good team. Like, this is not like, oh, Neil just doesn't know how to work the waiver wire. He, he you know, he doesn't know what he's doing. Neil's got injuries, a really good team. Injuries, man. COVID, injuries. Should we jump into it? Let's jump into it. Take it away, Josh. All right. Uh, so I just talked about it. So did a little bit of a foreshadowing, but I'm sticking with Randall Cobb as my first pickup of the week. Um, he's he's a player that Aaron Rodgers almost demanded management go out and get. He's a player that Aaron Rodgers had, has played with before. And he's a player that has, has proven himself in this roster as a viable fantasy option. And now that Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard, who both had great weeks last week, are now not playing. Aaron Rodgers throws the ball a lot. He's going to throw it to Aaron Jones. He's going to throw it to Robert Tanyan a little bit. And he's going to throw it to Randall Cobb because Randall Cobb is an official wide receiver. So the ball is going to Randall Cobb. I will say that. And he, if you're in a, especially if you're in a PPR league, you get those points every time Randall Cobb catches the ball, which he knows how to do quite a lot. So Randall Cobb is my first pickup of the week. I'm going to go with a defense here to start off. Ooh. And this is my pickup of the week. It's Cincinnati defense. So just basically any defense that's up against the New York Jets. This past week, the New York Jets, who are the, have been the laughing stock of the NFL for many years now, their prized quarterback, Zach Wilson, injured his shoulder and is out indefinitely. And, yep. you know, their backup came in and did absolutely nothing, was even worse. So anyone who's playing against the New York Jets is my defense of the week and my pickup of the week. This week's pickup, the Cincinnati Bengals, go out and get them. They, they will definitely have some sacks, interceptions, and or pick sixes. Did you pick them up? I did. I, not in our league, no. No? No. Someone did in our league. They were They were going to get picked up. Waivers went through this morning. Um, I missed out on that. My pickup of the week is someone who I picked up last week. Um, wasn't sure if I was going to get a good game out of them. Ended up getting a really good game out of them. And that's Damian Harris, the running back for the New England Patriots. Um, he had a really good game last week. He is clearly the number one running back in that team. They absolutely destroyed this past week, uh, putting up 53 points. The New England Patriots did. Mm-hmm. And they're going up against the Chargers defense this coming week. And the Chargers um, are not great at defending the running backs. So my pickup is Damian Harris because Mac Jones clearly doesn't have a lot of um, options through the air. Uh, when he does throw the ball, um, our Damian Harris picks up some of those targets. So And they run the ball a lot. So I'm going with Damian Harris as my second pickup of the week. Damon Harris, he did. He had a great week last week. I mean, they had to keep running the ball last week, so by default. Yeah. Against the Jets. Yeah. Uh, my pickup of the week this week, my second pickup for all of you out there who got a chance to watch the Buccaneers game last week against the Chicago Bears, Khalil Herbert became the bona fide number one running back on that team. Damian Harris was just an afterthought and was the evident backup. Damian Williams. Damian Williams. We're just talking about Damian Harris the entire time. Yep. A lot of Damians on the show. <laughs> uh, Khalil Herbert against the hardest team to run against in the NFL, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, only 
put up 100 yards rushing on 18 attempts. So he is now, he's followed that up with a 97-yard, one-touchdown rushing game against Green Bay. He's coming going up against a San Francisco defense at home. There should be running the ball often because we have all known that that quarterback tandem cannot throw the ball. Nope. So you can see a lot of Khalil Herbert this week. Go get him. He's 72% owned now after waivers have cleared yesterday. So and he might still be available in your league. Yeah. And I think that he's still very fantasy relevant once they start to get their main running backs back as well. He's He came into the season known as the fourth option on that team. And he's right now the behind Montgomery, Tariq Cohen, Damian Williams. He's now the number one. So, that, I mean, just that goes to show, you know, how... You need to pay attention to waivers each and every week, and be active throughout the week. Hundred percent. You don't. These win leagues your are league. never. Le- they're never won in the draft. Right? You never so. win your league in the draft. You win it throughout the season. Yeah, absolutely. So go out and get this guy. Absolutely. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that is our show. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for tuning in for the past forty episodes, and uh, stay tuned for the next forty more. Have a good week, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Shoot Your Thought Podcast. 